journey. We have been studying the Beatitudes. Has it been a blessing to you? Amen. Has it been a blessing? You see, why are we going through the Beatitudes? By the way, they're in Matthew 5. Why are we going through the Beatitudes? We're going through the Beatitudes because every single one of them says, blessed will be this. Blessed will be this. And so we want to do things that God says bring a blessing to us. Because when we get blessed, what happens? We're a blessing. We live to be a blessing. So anyway, let's go to Matthew 5. I'm going to actually go back and maybe read all of them until we get to the one we're on today. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So today we're on verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Who wants to see God? I want to see God. We do see God, don't we? Every day, every day we can see God. So this one says, blessed are the pure in heart. So I went to Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary, and I looked up the word pure, pure. It says free from guilt, and I do have a... PowerPoint if you want to put it up. If, if not, it's okay. Free from guilt, guiltless, innocent, innocent. There were a ton of verses under pure. I just picked three, the three that the Lord spoke to my heart. Without spot, not sullied or tarnished, incorrupt, undebased by moral turpitude, holy. And the third one, mere absolute, that and only that, unconnected with anything else. Those are the three definitions that we're actually going to go through today. So when I read Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God, it reminds me of Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4. Listen, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord who may stand in his holy place. Does that sound like seeing God to you? If you were ascended to the mountain of the Lord and in his holy place, would you be seeing God? Yeah, I think so. The one, here's the answer, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. And I actually, uh, I, I couldn't get it on, on the internet, but the Berean Study Bible that last verse, number four, I love the way it it's puts it. It says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear deceitfully. We're going to get into that a little bit later. So I was praying about this, and I thought, oh, Lord. And, and see, you know what? This is just what the devil wants people to think. I thought, oh, Lord, 
is the standard of seeing you, being pure in heart, how could any of us ever see you? We wouldn't qualify. <laughs> and like, so don't, don't tell me that scripture. Oh, but that's a wrong answer, right? We want to delve in. And we want to see why does he say that? Why does he tell us that? So he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So he spoke several things, several things to my, my heart. So first, the first definition, free from guilt, guiltless, innocent, innocent. What initially, initially is that speaking about? To me, that speaks of salvation. Initially, that speaks of salvation. That speaks of being born again. That speaks of when we receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives, he makes everything new. You are a brand new creature without spot or wrinkle. You are completely cleansed because of the blood of Jesus, because of what he did, because he went to the cross, became sin, and delivered you from the curse. And at that point, you are completely brand new, and he sees you through the blood. Okay? Shameless. Doesn't matter what you... We could never do enough right to earn what Jesus did. So that's not what it's talking about. So anyway, we become, at that point, we become the righteousness of God in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.21, not going to go there. And then at that point, we have this lifelong journey. This life, yes, we're recreated on the inside, but we have some renewing we have to do so that we can follow out God's plan and purpose in our lives, right? We have to renew our mind. Our soul doesn't immediately come in line with all the perfection of God. Well, maybe you all, but not me. Mine didn't. Thank you, Lord, that you're patient, kind, giving, good, forgiving, merciful, and gracious toward me. Hallelujah. So anyway, we have this lifelong journey of basically developing into the attitudes of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us. He is God's agent here on earth today. He is our help. He is our counselor. He shows us the way. He is the spirit of truth. He will never lead us wrong. So then the second definition says, without spot, not sullied or tarnished, incorrupt, undebased by moral turpitude, holy. And God spoke to my heart on that one, and he said, free of contaminants. I was like, whoa, Lord, that's a big one. How can I be free of contaminants? <laughs> I live in a contaminated world, a carnal world. Nonetheless, he said free of contaminants. That's what he said to me. So I'm, I'm listening. Incorrupt. What are you born of when you're born again? Incorruptible seed. <laughs> Uncontaminated seed. Holy seed. Straight from the Father. Y'all get that? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 1 Peter 1.23, when we're born again, we are born again of incorruptible seed. 2 Corinthians 7.1, this is the NIV. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates. See, he told me that. He told me that before I read the scripture. Free of contaminants. Let's purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. 
perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Wow. So, Lord, are you telling me i got to be perfect in holiness? No, saints, he loves you. This is a journey. This is a process. This is a process. We're going to walk out our lives, and we're going to become in our, in our mm, I can't use that word carnal, but in other words, in our daily processes, we're going to become more and more like him. That's the goal, okay? So what is a heart that's free of contaminants? What is a heart that's free of contaminants? See, that's a little bit harder for us to think about, isn't it? Because we know ourselves, don't we? We know ourselves. We know that we have contaminants in our hearts. And we think, oh, that's a pretty big job. Well, you don't have to do it on your own. You shouldn't do it on your own. You shouldn't do it on your own. This is by the power of God. This is by the Holy Spirit doing work in us. So we can believe it. You know, we all have carnal tendencies. We live in a fallen world. So this is a result. A lot of times we have contaminants, what I call contaminants, <coughs> as a result of choices we make. Okay? That's not to feel guilty. Everyone, good people, make wrong choices. Okay? So we have contaminants in our lives, things that tarnish or, or um, you know, change God's ultimate vision of us, right? His ultimate plan. Not ultimate. I'm not ever saying that you cannot fulfill God's ultimate plan. So if, if that's what you understood there, that's not what I was talking about. But anyway, so this might be an area where we've chosen to disobey the word. You know, it might be lying, strife, anger, cheating, adultery, murder, gossip, slandering another, uh, walking in self-condemnation. You know, we don't need to walk in self-condemnation because Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to forgive, to show us his love, mercy, and forgiveness, right? So, but disobeying the word is kind of like opening the door, you know? It's opening the door and saying, okay, come on in a little bit of pain, a lot of pain, whatever. We, we disobey the word. We, sometimes we, we have pain. So that would be a contaminant. That would be something we want to get rid of. So this brings, where we choose to disobey, that brings things into our lives that can bring darkness, can bring hurt, can bring pain. And we live, whether we recognize, whether we recognize this or not, when we make a choice, sometimes, even after we ask forgiveness because we still approach it with a carnal mind, Sometimes, even though the minute you ask for God to forgive you for something, it is gone. As far as the east is from the west, he actually forgets it. Scripture says he forgets it. But because we're human beings, whether we understand it or not, we tend to often walk in continued shame from that because we don't forgive ourselves, you see? And God wants us to forgive ourselves because he's already done it. And he wants us to walk in that victory. And he wants us to walk in the ascended life. But sometimes we carry that shame with us, shame that he does not want us. And we choose. That's a choice. We choose unworthiness. We choose it. God does not call you unworthy. God does not call you unworthy. So isn't it great 
that we can say God sees me through the blood. He sees me through what Jesus accomplished. He sees me whole and clean and pure. That word, pure. He is the lover of my soul. He did not come for the perfect. He loves the spirit in me that he has created in me. Hallelujah. So, the third thing under this particular definition that he brought to, that the Lord brought to my attention was the term deceitfulness. Let's go back. It says in verse 4, He who, who, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear deceitfully. So, where does deceit come in? I'm not talking here, this is not talking here about like lying to others. It, well, it, it could. But what the Lord brought to my spirit about deceitfully here is that sometimes things appear great on the outside. On the outside, I am all together. I got it going. It's okay. I don't need any help. Me and God got this. And on, <laughs> and on the outside, it's like, wow. Hey, by the way, don't ever do this to anyone. Don't ever, like, say, hey, you got it all together. You got it all together. I admire you. That can bring, you know, kind of a feeling of judgment in someone's life. Because nobody has it all together. Nobody. I don't. You don't. We should appreciate one another, yes. We should appreciate them in their weaknesses. And we should love them in their weaknesses. And you know what? I don't love you because you have it all together. You know what? <laughs> you can have some problems, and I am going <laughs> to love you anyway. I am. Because that's how God treats me. That's how God treats me. So we develop this deceitfulness where we think we have to keep everything hidden and under wraps. Now, does that mean you go blab all your problems to every single person? No. Could you please use a little bit of wisdom? The scripture says take good counsel. The scripture says that God counsels us with a loving heart. So be smart. Be smart. But anyway, there, there is this deceitfulness of living by false appearances. And the thing about that is, is because when we really don't let God get in there and deal with it, and deal with the, that underneath stuff, it it's deceitful. We're deceiving ourselves. And it can, nobody here, nobody here in RCC would ever do this, but it becomes idolatry. Any point of pain, any point of pain in our lives where we don't want to let God in is a point of idolatry. Any point of pain. Any point where we say, that is really going to be a little too painful for you to get to the root there, Lord. 
see, we don't want to necessarily go through the pruning. But see, when, when God comes in, he prunes lovingly. He prunes without condemnation. He will lovingly correct us. So see, we either don't want to go through the pain or we don't want to give up the worldly pleasure. We don't want to give it up. We're like, this is too much fun, Lord. Whatever that is, whatever that pleasure is that would be something other than what God is speaking in his word about how, what we should do in situations, right? So we don't want to give up that worldly pleasure. But here's the thing about that is once we submit that worldliness to the Lord, he brings his perfection. He brings his purity. He brings his power. He brings the Holy Spirit anointing. See, the Holy Spirit anointing is always there for us. But sometimes we reject it. Right? So he, these, these undealt with issues, they can become idols in our lives, and that leaves an impurity there. That leaves an impurity in our heart. It's too painful to get to the root. We like the pleasure of it. We're not willing to surrender the situation to God because we think he's a harsh taskmaster, which is just the devil lying to you anyway. He's not. He's a loving father. He's merciful, kind, good, and forgiving. You know? So that's what we tend to do. That's what we tend to do in our carnality. We tend to whitewash the situation, and everything just appears so beautiful on the outside. Well, saints, don't be, a, don't be ashamed of your problems. Don't be ashamed of your issues. When you hand them over, God helps you get rid of them. Matthew 23, 25 through 28. Now, I would never want Jesus saying this to me. This is red letter, and I would not want him talking to me this way. Whoa! I don't want to hear Jesus saying woe to me. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. These were the ones that were supposed to have it all together. These were the ones that were supposed to be telling everybody else how to do it right. Unfortunately, that was part of their problem because they never got to the heart of God in situations. They failed to apply the heart of God. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. You see, this is what happens when we don't want to deal with the impurities in our heart. But see, God, God is judging this situation because of the deceitfulness that's occurring. But when we come to him in honesty, when we come to him, just lay it out, man. Just lay it out. Just put your heart out there. Just say, this is the, he already knows the situation. He loves you anyway. Right? 
and he purifies you. When you hand it over, he says, come here, baby. Come here. This will make it better. Let's do it this way. Let's, let's try this. Let's go to my word. Let's see what I have. And then the promise comes. The blessing comes. Because we've chosen to follow the word. We've chosen to follow our Jesus. We've chosen to follow God. And he purifies. You know what that's like at that moment? When we choose to submit something to him and not hang on, first of all, what causes you to hang on to it? Good one, good answer, whoever said that. Pride, fear. What is pride? What is pride? Pride is fear of being found out. <laughs> What causes us to hang on to these things are fear. It's fear. It's a spirit of fear. God did not come to give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. All right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So anyway, when we don't allow the Lord in, what happens as a result of that? Oftentimes, people become jaded. They become critical of others. They become angry. They become bitter. They become blamers, fault finders. They shame themselves often. They become insecure because there's this underlying fear that's not being dealt with. They make excuses. They make themselves out to be victims oftentimes. Those are all indicators of a heart that needs to be cleansed by our loving Father. So here's the, the situation with that. You cannot see God clearly when that's in there. Because your choices and your thoughts are tainted by that. That's idolatry. That's deceitfulness. Okay? But the minute, this is good news, saints, the minute, the second, the millisecond that we surrender it to the Lord, purity comes. Purity, that's what he's talking about, purity. Purity in your heart. At that second, at that moment, that's like being born again in that particular area of your life. Where that issue was. Do we understand that? Do we understand what a joyous occasion that is? That whole purifying, pruning process? Because at that moment, we seek God. We walk in his holiness. We receive his power in that area. His cleansing, his love in that area. It's like being born again in that area. Well, that makes me happy. That makes me happy. Acts 15, 8 through 9. God who knows your heart. And loved you anyway. I added that part. <laughs> Showed show that he accepted them. What's he talking about there? He's talking about the Gentiles. The Pharisees did not like them because they didn't do everything according to the law. According to the rules and the regulations. Thank you, God, that you came with a heart 
law, a new command. It is only the love of Christ that fulfills the law. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them. They weren't following all the rules and regulations by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to the Jews. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. What is it that brings you into this purifying process? It is your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is your faith in the goodness of God. It is your faith in his mercy toward you no matter what you've done. It is your faith. It is knowing. It is knowing the love of God for you. And just as we become purified at the point of salvation, then by faith, because of his grace toward us, we can become purified in all these areas in our lives where we need help. What does the scripture say? The scripture says, I am your help in time of trouble. That's what it says. It says I'm your help. I'm not your condemner. I'm your help. I'm your help. Thank you, Lord, that we all have a help. So see, we, we apply that faith to those contaminants. <laughs> and we start trusting in his love and his mercy and his goodness for us. And we allow him to do the pruning by the power of the Holy Spirit because he will always do it in a loving and kind way. And then we walk in a healed place in that area of our life, a place, a place where we can minister to others and help others. We can use what he, he's done in us to be a blessing. Because our goal isn't just to keep all this for ourselves. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, we are not doing this by our own power. This is not a self-help class, saints. It's not a self-help class. This is not me pulling myself up by my bootstraps. This is God, the power of the Holy Spirit, our counselor, our comforter, here on earth with us, working in us to bring the perfection of God in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you love me that much. Hallelujah. Therefore, with minds that are alert, no, back to 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I... Me, as a person, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Not keeping everything hidden, yes, using wise counsel, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Do you understand the promise he's given you there? The power of Christ resting on you.
the very power of Christ resting on you, working in you in that area where you have chosen to submit it to him, not being ashamed, not being afraid, receiving the love of God, letting it wash you clean. Hallelujah. See, at that point, from that moment on, we walk in the truth of God. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. We just have to be willing to give it up. I'm not talking about habit. I didn't mean that to be a habit. I'm talking about giving up the pain to our Lord. Hallelujah. We trust God. We trust God as the supreme author of our lives. We follow his lead. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 15. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace Set your hope on his grace, saints. Set your hope. It's a sure foundation. It is a sure foundation for you and your times. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. See, God brings light and truth. When we submit it, light and truth come in. Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Wow, that's big. And thank you, Lord, that I did not have to do that on my own. Here's the upside of that. This is, this is amazing. This is miraculous. This is supernatural. He's saying, be holy as I am holy. He's calling you when you submit, when you allow the purification process in that area, he is saying, you are holy as I am holy. Oh my gosh, we serve a big, big God. Saints, can you imagine if we would walk in this believing God, believing it? Can you imagine? Can you imagine it? Can you imagine a world where people would believe the word and would give up the shame and would give up the the self-criticism? You walk in this, you're not going to be angry with anybody. You're not going to be afraid of anything. Because you know that you have a God that when you lay it at his feet, that you submit it to him, that he comes in and he says, come here, honey, I got this with you. I am going to put my power in place. And I'm going to take out that weakness. And my power will exalt me. And the love that people see through you because of me will bring people into the kingdom. And because of that, they will escape the wrath of God. This is the hope we have. And he says, you are holy as I am holy. Do you think I'm too excited today? I think it's something to be excited over. I got a God who took me out of the muck and mire and said, child, come up. I'm your hope. I do not have to live here in defeat and weakness. 
every single one of us in this room took this seriously. What kind of fire are you going to take to a hurting world? Purifying fire, loving fire. That's my God. That's my God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Woo, we got a lot more to go here today, saints. <laughs> we still have a third definition, and then we have a whole bunch more. Hang in there. Hang in there, saints. What better could you be doing than spending your time with the Lord? This will be good for you. This will encourage you. This will allow you to go out this week and beyond and beyond and beyond and beyond. Walking in the glory and the power of God, the redemption of God, the healing of God to other people who need you. Every person that he's put in your path needs you. So the third definition is mere. Absolute. That and only that unconnected with anything else. Okay, now I'm going to use a person's name. I don't do this a lot. We are not to honor people. Well, you can honor people. I mean, I'm not saying don't ever honor a person. You should honor your father and your mother, and you should appreciate people. Okay, I'm not talking about that. But we do not idolize people. And people can say a good thing, and then the other stuff that they say is wrong. So I'm not saying go read this book either. Okay? Do we all get it? But I also don't want to not give somebody credit where credit is due. So anyway, there was this Danish thinker. His name is Thorn Kierkegaard. He was an existentialist, which is trash. But he was Christian. So his thoughts were somewhat different. And he made this statement. I have a little bit of a problem with this statement, but we're going to add on to it. And he said, purity of heart is to will one thing. We're talking about purity of heart, right? We're talking about purifying our hearts today. He said, purity of heart is to will one thing. One thing. Here's what I would add to that by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Purity of heart is to will one thing that thing being the will of God. Purity of heart is to will one thing, that thing being the will of God and the will of God only in my life, in my children's lives. It's refusing to walk. It's refusing to live with one foot in the carnal and one foot in the things of God. If you're doing that, you're not in the things of God, right? If you really think about it, right? So, but we all have a process that we, we walk into, and that's good. That's good. That's all good. One foot in the earth, in the world, in carnality, and one foot in the things of God. That's called double-mindedness. That's double-mindedness, and the scripture tells us not to have any part in it. So yes, it is good to will one thing, that being the will of God. 
and to single-mindedly. This is not easy in a carnal world. I'm not saying this is always easy. It's easy by the power of the Holy Spirit when we let the Holy Spirit in and prune us and purify us. That's what we're talking about today. But it's choosing to single-mindedly pursue the heart of God. The plans and purposes of God in each of our lives. And he gives you the power to do it. It is saying, what do you want from me in this area of my life, Lord? It is so easy to talk to God. It's so easy. You just give him this much. Give him this much. And he'll come in. What do you want from me, Lord, in this area of my life? Because that's what I want. It's committing our way to him. Hallelujah. I set aside my plans. I commit my way to you, Lord. I let you come in and fill up my life with your purposes, with your will. Why? Because I want to bring glory to you, Lord. Because I want to bring glory to you, Lord. And I want to take a whole bunch of people with me, and I want them to see your glory too. Hallelujah. So we want to get rid of this double-mindedness, not being tossed about by every wind of doctrine out there in the world, but sticking wholly to the pursuits of God. Yeah, does the Lord know you need to raise your children? Of course. So raise them in the Lord. Good answer. James 4, 8. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. See that? See that? He will. It's a promise. It is a promise. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. You sinners, purify your hearts. Does that sound like Psalm 24? Does that sound like the purity of heart that we're talking about? It does to me. James 4.4, 4, you adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever chooses to be a friend of the world renders himself an enemy to God. We don't want double-mindedness. We want to be sold out. We want to have one will. We want the will of God in our lives. We, su- we submit, we surrender, and he accomplishes it. He accomplishes it. So what is the blessing of a pure heart? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We get to the fun part. <laughs> what is the blessing of a pure heart? And here, here's the deal, this pure heart thing. All he's doing is asking you to give him his junk. Wouldn't you rather trade your junk for his blessing? Okay, so he says, we get to see God. We get to see God. Thank you, Lord. When we allow him to prune those spots, those contaminants, and purify our heart, he comes in. We see him. We see him big and bold in our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We see the presence of God come in and shed that Holy Spirit light on that situation, on that area, and we walk out. At that point, we get to walk out his redemptive process in our life. He has redemption. He has reconciliation. He has unity with the Father, not division, not separation. Can you imagine walking in the garden as Adam and Eve did, arm in arm with God, 
Wow. No separation. We walk in his presence in that area of our lives, and then that flows into other areas of our lives. It gives us courage. It gives us the, you know, it's like, oh, God, look what you just did in my life. That gives me courage to go on and go to the next and to help somebody else. See, we reign in power and freedom in that area then. How many of you want to walk in power, freedom, victory? So do we want Holy Spirit power in our lives? You want to see God? You want? Yeah, yeah, I do. I want to purify my heart. I want to lay it on the line with you, Lord. And I want to allow that Holy Spirit, that precious Holy Spirit, to come in and prune and purify and deliver and redeem and awaken and renew and rebuild me. First Peter 1, 17 through 19. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here. Here, carnal. Live your life as foreigners to the carnal here in this life. For you know that it, it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but it was with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You see, in every area of our life where we allow God to come in, the blood of Jesus, by faith, receiving his power, allowing him to come in by the power of the Holy Spirit and cleanse us, his blood makes us new. His blood purifies cleanses, makes whole. This should give you encouragement today, saints. This should give you hope. There is nothing in your life, nothing too dark that the light of Christ will not eradicate that darkness. I'm talking about pain that you've walked in. I'm talking about hurts that you've even caused other people. He comes in with his light and his love. He eradicates the darkness. He allows your memory to be cleansed. Power, victory. Hallelujah. Every area. There is nothing to big for God. 1 Peter 1, 21. Through him, you believe in God, who raised Jesus, him, from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. And what did Jesus say? What did he say? What did he say? He said, I have given them the glory, Lord, that you have given me. That's your destiny. That is your destiny. Do not think it's too big. We have a big, powerful gospel and a big, powerful God. No, more, 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 more powerful than we can even imagine. And that power is meant for every one of you in this room and your families. No unredeemable situation. Not one. John 17, 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. You want to walk in oneness with your Father? You want to walk in oneness with Jesus? You believe the gospel. 
Hallelujah. All we have to do is have faith. All we have to do is believe it. That's all we have to do. We just have to have faith. We just have to believe it. We just have to believe the word. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, pretty easy. Seems pretty easy to me at this point. See, we get a promised result when this happens because the very next two words, it says, so that. So that. That means there's a promised result. You have sincere love for each other. One another deep, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living, enduring word of God. You see, this is the only way that we can really walk in true purity in our hearts. It's a good way. It's a promised way. And that's not by us. It's by just allowing the Lord to flush it out. It's really simple. It's so easy. You see? And then where do we end up? We end up with that imperishable seed producing fruit and life in that area instead of death and darkness. Fruit and life and blessing in that area instead of darkness. I want that. I want that. This is a massive statement. This is a huge statement. Having been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Imperishable, incorrupt, pure, totally attainable. This is totally attainable for us. It's already a, a promise. We're submitted to him. We have one will as our destination. One. We will one thing. And that is the will of God. When we, commit our way, when we commit our way unto him, he gives us the desires of our heart, right? Because our desires become his desires. 1 Timothy 1, 5 through 7. As I urged you when I was in Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love. Where does love come from? Only, only, only from a pure heart. We cannot share the love of God in any area where we have not allowed him to prune us. Not truly. But when we do allow him to prune us, his love comes shining through as a healing sap, a balm of Gilead, a balm of Gilead. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. See where it comes from? And what did it say earlier that it's going to get rid of? The idolatry and the false doctrines, like we were talking about the impurities. Any point of impurity that we choose to hang on to is a point of idolatry. So here, he was, he was talking about getting rid of the false teachings and the idolatry. Well, that's what we're doing. <clears throat> here we see the single-mindedness, this purity of heart, and what truly allows us to be free enough of the tethers and the thinking of this world, the contaminants of this world, to truly walk in the love of God. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So you see, when we allow this purifying process, we receive the goal. We receive the goal. The love of God shed abroad in our hearts unto the world. 
to help other people in pain, to give you freedom and victory in your situation. The goal is love. It comes from a pure heart. It gives us a good conscience. You can be free at that point. Doesn't everyone want to walk in a free conscience? Not convicted by shame or sin? Comes about from our sincere faith. I shouldn't have used the word convicted there. It's condemned. There's a difference. All right, so I know this morning before I started this, I told you what the Lord spoke to me this morning, you know, about um, that he's the lover of our soul. He is the lover of our soul. (laughs) Well, when I got to church, he gave me this one. See, you always think you're done, but God always has a little bit more. So if y'all can just be patient, because when you, here's what I want you to do. When I read this psalm, I want you to think it's you. I want you to think, when I lay it down, when I allow God to come in and purify this, this is that, that, whatever that contaminant is, when I allow God into that place in my life, this is what I get. I have a God who fights for me. I have a God who fights for me. I have a God who will vanquish the enemy on my behalf. Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. See, the enemy is that point of pain. That's the enemy, not a person. Person is never your enemy. Spirits. Points of pain. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. Have you ever been there? Has anyone in this room ever been there? The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called on the Lord. I called on the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked, and the fountains of the mountain shook. They trembled because he was angry. Why was he angry? Because someone was messing with his beloved. That's why he was angry. Somebody was messing with you. And he's not going to put up with it. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountain shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens for me, for you. He parted the heavens like he parted the water for Moses. 
camp there. You camp there at the parting of the waters. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemies. You want to live there? Well, you've got a God who does it. Just let him take your junk. With hailstones and bolts of lightning, the Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered enemies, great bolts of lightning, and routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, Lord. At the blast of breath from your nostrils, Lord, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. James, he takes hold of you. He takes hold of you. This is real stuff. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out, one of my favorite scriptures, he brought me out into a spacious place because that's what he has for every one of you here, a spacious place where you're not hemmed in by pain, temptation, addictions, tormenting fears, bad memories, a spacious place, victory. Hallelujah. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. He delights in you, beloved. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands that he has granted to you because of his blood. He has rewarded me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not done evil by turning from God all his ways. All his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. You see, none of us has kept us, ourselves totally from sin. But when we lay it at the cross, he sees us as sinless. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble. Bring low those whose eyes are haughty. You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. <sighs> with your help, with your help, God's help, 
I can advance. Here is the victory march, saints. The rest of the psalm, it is amazing victory march. Think about this as your victory in your life when you lay it at the cross. It is a victory. It is so, this, the rest of the psalm, it is absolutely amazing. And remember that it's because of a loving father. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I advance against the troop. With my God, I can scale the wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? Listen to this. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory, and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. Remember, an enemy is not a person. It is a pain or a spirit motivating a person. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. Every pain, every enemy has to fall beneath your feet because it is beneath the feet of Jesus when you are born again. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight. I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord... But he did not answer. I beat them as fine as dust, born on the wind. I poured them out like mud in the streets. You have delivered me from the attacks of the people. You have made me the head of nations. People I did not know are subject to me. As soon as they hear me, they obey me. Foreigners cringe before me. They lose heart. They come trembling from their stronghold. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God my Savior. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From violent men you rescued me. Therefore, I will praise you among the nations. O Lord, I will sing praises to your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing, unfailing kindness. To his anointed. That's you. When you are born again, you are the anointed of God. So, <laughs> that's what I have for you today, saints, beloved. I'm going to take an offering in a minute.